Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're finally talking to you from our at-home studio. After making the 1,300-mile trek from Florida back to Illinois, as all good sunbirds do at this time of year. So we've left our COVID hideaway (laughs) in Florida and returned to Chicagoland on an 84-degree day, which was kind of... That was yesterday. ...kind of hot for unpacking. (sighs) Sweaty and air conditioning. And And we're sitting here surrounded by piles. And today is the cold day in Illinois. Well, that's, well that's, that's, that's spring. Yeah, that's spring in Illinois. We have the heat on today after having air conditioning yesterday. So even though this obsessive-compulsive person would rather be putting away the piles, we have stopped our well, labors the month is near to sit ended. down and talk to you. Yes, indeed. And we are always happy to talk to our RV Navigator friends. And we have had lots of good emails this month. As a matter of fact, we even met some of our listeners yes, down we in did. Florida. And one of them bought... A lot. That's right. (laughs) It's hard to know how to count because I think some of the people who live in the great outdoors preceded us. But we we know we have about 12 listeners um, to our podcast who have purchased lots there to this winter. Uh, too bad we don't get a, yeah, a little rebate there or something. Rebate, but it's it's a pleasure to be surrounded by fellow. Listeners and campers who have come to agree with us that this is a wonderful place to spend part of the winter. But it's a long trek from Florida back to Illinois, for us anyway. As I said, 1,300 miles, and we made it a little bit longer because we stopped in our favorite city in South Carolina. And you know what that is. Well, it might be your favorite, but it certainly is not mine. (laughs) You're not a fan of Gaffney? I'm not a fan of repair facilities. I would say compared to a lot of people we know about, we don't spend a lot of time in repair facilities, but any time is too much for me. And I am blessed by the fact that Gaffney is a short distance from my sister. Yes. And I was able to spend two days of quality time seeing her for the first time since Courtesy. Since COVID hit, actually having a hug and a kiss, um, very heartwarming. And her family togetherness, wow. And her kids came and saw us too, and it felt very good. So we impinged a little on the Freightliner facilities (laughs) hospitality. They have one of those typical parking lot uh, campgrounds where you have electricity and water and sewers nearby. We're able to drive back and forth and see her while they were working on our coach. And of course we were there because we want to keep our coach in good shape and that means that we have to spend a few bucks every year in order to uh, have the fluids changed and uh, it to have a, a general purpose checkup. Well, generally we spend about uh, $1,300. <laughs> you know it takes 28 quarts of oil which is seven gallons so it's an expensive process once a year um, and a big diesel is worth it though so we go there and they check up our coach and we then spend <laughs> a free night <laughs> i emphasize free they don't even give you a coffee in their waiting room do they 
Oh, yes. Oh, they had, you had coffee. I had coffee in the waiting room, and, but that's it. Um, but this year, the waiting room was open. Last year, we didn't get a chance to go at all. They closed. Your appointment was during yes, COVID, yes, during, so we didn't get during to go this, at all. Yes, during yeah. significant COVID. So we left uh, Gaffney feeling that we were in wonderful condition, not that we were in bad condition before we got to no, Gaffney. we were. Um, but we broke up the drive home, and in our campground in southern Illinois, we went out to take a little walk and noticed a little pool of oil in the wheel well, you which never want to see was a pool not of a good oil. sign. Actually, it was in the tag at rim. Hmm. The tags, which is the second axle on the rear, is a uh, it's just a load bearing axle it has it's not driven and it is bathed in oil the bearings the, the bearings are bathed in oil and apparently uh, after we left Gaffney sometime the one of the seals the plugs that you would use to fill it with oil was fell out or came out or it had been abused upon insertion yeah, by the anyway, technician this is a good reason why you have duct tape <laughs> So we end up driving back to our home like the Beverly Hillbillies, wrapped in duct <laughs> the tape. The Beverly Hillbillies. Having spent big buckaroos uh, and at Freightliner and Gaffney. Uh, yeah. We, we came home safe and sound, but I have very vivid memories. Those of you who own trailers have to remember that you need to um, lubricate your bearings on your wheels regularly. Those are a little bit different, though. Um, of someone who we camped alongside who forgot to do Ooh. that or didn't know he was supposed to, and his axle was so hot it almost caught the whole rig on fire because yeah, the bearings were no longer our, turning. Yeah, that was on one of our caravans. So that was a vivid impression that was in my mind until we finally came home and whew, got safely back to our parking well, lot. Well, but part of the problem on the last day was the fact that it was so windy. Those of you who travel extensively probably will be shocked by this, but it took us... Uh, a week and a day to do the 1,300 miles from Florida. And now I get these regular reports as we wound through the Smokies. It was already pretty windy there. He tells me, oh, we're getting two miles to the gallon. <laughs> but then as we came further north and the wind was mostly slapping us in the butt, um, I heard reports we were up to 12. 12? Yeah. So when people ask you what's your but gas mileage, it's so dependent We did have to stop. We were planning on stopping, but uh, it was bad news in terms of the wind. Uh, 50 mile an hour gusts from the south, and we were going west, so that really took us uh, around the road. It, it was um, uh, uh, an interesting drive, and we haven't had that experience in a long time. So, nor do we, we want stopped. It. Did you expect to have be buffeted by winds if you're driving through a thunderstorm? Let's say but yeah. it was a beautiful blue sky, sunny day, and we were just getting smacked around. <laughs> oh well, it's over. So, how much longer will we be doing the podcast? My personal milestone. This year, yeah, this month, you have to go to the D DMV to get your driver's license renewed. Are they, they no, telling me something? They no longer will do it online. I tried to do it online, and it says you're too old. Even though your driving your record <laughs> is impeccable. To yeah, I haven't had a ticket in years and years and years. But they said I had to go to the DMV to renew my driver's license. And from what we hear, you should take a lawn chair and a sandwich <laughs> because <laughs> they are so backed up from COVID. I guess they yeah. were closed for a lengthy period of time. 
time, and people have had to keep postponing their business. So, so the big 7-5 is creeping up on me very quickly. But you told but, me you met yes, a couple in yes, Gaffney yes, that yes. was in their 80s. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do this. I'm doing fine now. But this couple that I met in the waiting room while uh, getting our motorhome work serviced was 83 and 82. They were there getting their motorhome serviced, and they were on their way to brighter futures someplace else. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Those of you who are much younger, you have to think about when you're going to be coming off the road. And uh, we have not really contemplated it at this well, point. Well, we think about it. But well, we, th well it, we are, yeah. If something happens, we're ready to, to do it, I guess. I guess. And that's, and that's why we're not full-timers. I think that's why we have the house here up north. And it uh, is kind of our final rest. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to say that. We it's, may not finally rest here. Who knows? Really? If anything, if this year taught me anything, it's that planning is highly overrated. Yeah. And you should certainly consider your options. And yeah, facts, we never but, guessed that COVID would be coming but, along. But um, you just don't know how things will turn out. So you have to try to keep making good decisions as you go. So is it worth taking your motorhome in for a checkup at the factory once a year? Not to me. <laughs> really? Well, it seems like a good idea, I guess. And it's near my sister, yeah. and what the heck. Um, certainly one would assume that they know what they're doing, although after our recent experience, I'm yeah. not even well, so sure exactly. about that. We kind of just generally go there once a year just to have it uh, taken Service. care of. Service. And although the the mileage interval on a big diesel is about 20,000 miles, we don't travel that far, but the other interval is one year. Whereas if you have a gas coach, you know, you have to get uh, the oil changed frequently. And, and you have to do that on the road. We won't be doing it while we're traveling. Another advantage of going there was we needed a part for our yeah. ABS, and they had yeah, it. Yeah, they uh, just have it Often when you go in for repairs, they have to send away. And we've seen some people growing moss on their heads, waiting and waiting for the parts to come back. So when you come home and you unpack your RV, which has taken us a full day to do, remember we I can only keep it... 10,000 steps yesterday unpacking <laughs> really? the RV. Really? 10,000? <laughs> and you helped time. me with all the food, which I used to do by myself. Yes, exactly. But you occasionally forget something in the motorhome. Like the microphone that you want to use to make the podcast the next day. So today we are using our alternative microphones on our podcast broadcast system. So please, kind listeners, don't send him nasty emails. He's well, been this should be very working quality. hard to get this alternate system going, and hopefully it's good enough. It needed to have its batteries charged. All right, some topics that we want to talk about today that are beyond our personal stuff. <laughs> we want to talk about... The Jetsons. Who knows who the Jetsons even are? Only people who are in their 80s. <laughs> like that couple really? you met. That was a long time ago they were on TV. 1963. The Jetsons, which was an animated series that uh, of a family that was living, living in, in the, the Stone future. Age. No, that's the other one. They were... <laughs> They were <laughs> That's the other one. What's the other Stone, The Flintstones. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Jetsons were living in 2067, uh, 100 years in advance, and they were using all sorts of cool features of the cool things in their lives they had that in 1963 we could not even contemplate. So it's very interesting that some of those things have actually come to pass in 2020. So in this show, which I never watched, they used some of these... They, no, they were all used. Fantasy so devices? They did, they did video phone calls. Like FaceTime. Like, 
like we take, like FaceTime, and I don't even think they thought about having Zoom. Zoom meetings, uh-huh. Because which saved they, a lot these of people's were, bacon the ones that I remember year. were face-to-face. -face. I mean, you talk one person to one person, uh -huh. which I think we take pretty much for granted. And who would ever have thought about having a robotic vacuum? I still don't have a Roomba. But, but you can. But people do, and they have. And another one that they predicted, and this was, remember, for 100 years, and we're doing it at 50, tablet computers, small computers like the one we're recording on, and you can uh, do all the things that you would, well, of course, they didn't even have computers in 1960. No, they weren't they invented. Didn't, they didn't contemplate. They weren't even a gleam in somebody's eye, I don't think. No, and of course, the Internet wasn't either. They didn't even think about that. Robotic house help. Do we have that? Not so much. Not so much, right. Flying cars. Not so e much. But, leave it to, but, but by 2067. Leave it to Elon. He'll <laughs> right. get them off the ground. Smart watches. Whoa, Dick Tracy. Have those. Oh, does anybody know who Dick Tracy was? I think that comic's been on a they long uh -oh. time I just more recently. Siri. Drones. Well, we know you have that. <laughs> In spades. I've been having a good time with my drone. Uh, holograms. Did, wasn't there something about Kanye West gave yeah, his wife a yeah. hologram of her de yeah. deceased father? Something like that. Mm -hmm. 3D printed food. Hmm. Doesn't sound good. But I've heard that they have it. Really? That it's in it's in, in the, the space process station. Maybe that they can in a 3D printer they can put edible. Well, if they're printing ink. organs, why not print food too? Exactly. The pill cam. I think that exists. Absolutely. Yeah. Goes through your digest, digestive tract and checks things out. Makes a movie as it goes. That was really something for them to predict all these things. Jetpacks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've seen people have accidents with those. Yeah, and, of course, the thing that everybody has is a flat-screen TV. Ever bigger. Not big. oh, Boy, do we notice a difference in our TV. <laughs> when we, when come we come back home. to our oh, We can actually read the screen. Home. It's, it's a bit the of a challenge inch. watching foreign films that are subtitled in the motorhome because the TV is so tiny. No, I want to talk about something very important here. All right, it's up to you to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> well, this goes along with the Jetsons. Okay. Do you suppose the Jetsons had a butt buddy? I don't think so. This attaches to your toilet and gently washes your bottom with a stream of cool or warm water after you do your business, transforming your health, hygiene, and life with every spray. Every time, it comes equipped with a temperature control and a water pressure knob, making controlling the stream and spraying with warm and or cool water more effortless, precise, and soothing. It is also sleek, durable, and made of high-quality parts, fitting every standard toilet and designed to become a permanent fixture in your bathroom. Not and that necessarily is, an RV. And that is your bathroom buddy. Now, one of the problems we have is, is that there are wads of toilet paper going down our toilet. And, and, and wipes, I read, are making and, giant clogs in the nation's... In our RV, because I am the poop buddy, Yes. <laughs> once a week I have to go out there and play with the poop. Having a portable bidet sounds like a good idea. Have you ever used a bidet? I don't think so. We've been in places that had them, but I washed my socks in them. <laughs> and they're very big in Japan. Very big in lots of countries. We've been to several hotels, many hotels, that have a separate 
fixture next to the toilet in a bidet. So I don't even understand how you use a bidet. I think we probably will have some listeners who can give us some hints. But you get up off the toilet and then you go over to the bidet and wash things out? I guess. And then you dry it with a towel? I guess. You would need to be dry. <laughs> you know what? That's a lot of work for going to... Anyway. But, but you'd be very clean, and certainly during the l- I recent think, toilet paper shortage. I think that shortage. RVs are going to start coming with the butt buddy installed. Can't you see it now? No. <laughs> Equipped with butt buddy. But it would have helped the, during the recent I think what I really like is just shortage. the name. That's a, that's a classic name. Exactly. But if, if you are interested in learning more about the butt buddy... <laughs> <laughs> Or if you want to know more about uh, fun with poop, which is Ken's um, job once weekly a week. Weekly task. Weekly task. You can go to our website, which is rvnavigator.com, and click on the link to uh, purchasing. The new pop-up window, which has all of the episodes in it. And you can click on that pop-up window to get to episode one. 93 for May 2021 and you will see a link so that you too can buy your own oh no no not you too we have we, we have, have not, not bought, bought one. a butt buddy <laughs> we're not but going to but if you do please but send us do, a review <laughs> please review your butt buddy i think there are probably several things that could be associated with a butt buddy like what oh this i don't know other things that might <laughs> that you could install. I don't know what they would be. When you have all day to sit in Gaffney and there are lots of uh, RVers there getting their rigs worked on, the uh, topics come up, and although Bidet did not come up, but somebody was there because they just had their toilet replaced and they had a macerator toilet and it cost them $970. To get their to- a new toilet? A new toilet. Oh, another macerator. Another, well, they had to replace it with a macerator. They had to. Now, we placed our toilet with a motherboard with a regular toilet. Yeah, well, it was a gravity-feed toilet, yes. Now, one of the things that you have to have if you have two toilets, and if you are buying a rig and it has two toilets, you will have macerator toilets. Now, what's a macerator toilet? It mushes the stuff up and sends it down a tiny pipe instead of a big pipe. And it mixes it with a lot of water, which means you can't boondock if you Exactly. Because the black tank is in a remote location and not directly underneath the toilet, one of the toilets has to be a macerator toilet. And most of the time, they just put in two, and they're $970 each. And they don't work that well because it takes and grinds up all the... Um, the Matter. <laughs> all the matter. And once it's, it's ground up, it then flows into the black tank and then you can have fun with poop. In the, in the usual way. But macerated toilets take up water, and they are prone to breaking. And as we found out when we had to put in our motherboard... <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice. You, uh, it, it stops working when the electronics stop working. So now we have, and Ken installed, and we did this years ago, we installed a standard drop-down toilet. Works simply and and reliably. Right. And if you have an RV that has just a single toilet, this is definitely the option that you want. Do not accept any other. It just opens a valve and the stuff falls down and you put in as much water as needed. Would you have a macerator if you were um, a trailer person? No matter where you have two toilets. Uh Uh-huh. And the other choice, some people have macerator pumps at the outlet 
of their sewer so that they can pump the stuff further than what would ordinarily be done by gravity. gravity. So there are a lot of choices here, ladies and gentlemen, and if you're shopping, be sure that you check out the macerator toilet and how your rig handles it. I kind of wonder in general, I, I read on Facebook people who are buying new Numar coaches, since ours is a Numar, that's of particular interest to me. They keep putting in more and more high-tech stuff. Well, You run everything with an iPad and there are all these blinking lights and it just seems like at some point stuff is just going to crap out on you and it gets more and more difficult to... You sound like somebody who's over 70. I'm a Luddite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's go for more. But macerator toilets, they're not very high-tech and they're not fun to play with. Whereas blinking lights, I mean, I put a lot of yeah, blinking yeah, lights Yeah, yeah, but are. they don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody cares if they don't work. <laughs> They're just an aesthetic pleasure. Now, we talk about electricity. Why? And one of your favorite topics. I hate it. 30 amp versus 50 amp. Our coach works really well until you have to run the air conditioner or even two <laughs> air conditioners. Until Martha gets in, it is really the bottom line. And all of a sudden, I can't cook anything because I keep blowing the pedestal. It's very frustrating. We have a 50 amp plug. We were plugged into 50 amp. And all of a sudden, the power goes out. Because everything is on one line. No, it's not on one line. Everything that I use for cooking is on one line. What do you mean by one line? It was the one line, the one with the first air conditioner. I can't cook in the How bedroom. How many lines do you have? Two. So, what's the problem? They're all on the same line. What is? The whole kitchen and one of the air You're conditioners. You're not explaining it to our listeners, though. I don't care. I just want to cook dinner. It's so frustrating. So what would happen if you had 30 amp? I would be even more frustrated all the time. We'd go out to eat. <laughs> oh. Which might not be too bad here, ladies and gentlemen. Now that you can do that again more safely, it's a good idea. Wait a minute, though. Is there a difference between? Is there only twenty amps difference between thirty and fifty? Apparently not, but it's still not enough, <laughs> or it's not placed in the right. Well, explain, if I could cook in the bedroom, the that 30, would be helpful. Explain the difference between thirty and fifty amp. We've gone through this half a dozen times. You do it. I don't even want to think about it. Well, as you know, smaller trailers have thirty amp plugs, and bigger trailers have or bigger even RVs smaller, have. Some motor homes have thirty. Yeah, the smart. people who are currently in our lot. Usually, if you have just one air conditioner, you'll have a thirty amp, mm -hmm. and that means the maximum power that you can use at any given moment is thirty amp. And if you take your fifty amp plug and translate it into a thirty amp plug, you will have a maximum of thirty amps. You can do that, and it works fine as long as you don't want to use more than thirty amps at any given moment. Or have an all electric coach. Now what? the navigator doesn't seem to understand is is that you can't run everything even if you have 50 amps but i'm trying to make dinner okay 50 amps has actually two legs to it yeah i've heard that actually before. lines but legs and each leg is 50 amps but the other leg so doesn't have... do me any good because it's not in the kitchen that's a problem <laughs> you... <laughs> yes that's true so the way our coach is, is wired is, is that the two legs are split between the front and the back, and the big heavy-duty appliances are split between the two legs of the system. 
Together, you have 100 amps or 12,000 watts. And with a 30 amp, you have just one leg of 30 amps. So there's dramatically more power available if you have a 50 amp system. But, ladies and gentlemen, what the navigator doesn't understand is, is that you still only have 50 amps on each leg. And that if you have two air conditioners running, the electric water heater, and you're charging your batteries, you're not going to have enough power. And, and I did And you're going to blow the pedestal. And I did. I hate to keep going over and over this. One of the things you have to do... I'm it, busy thinking about what I'm cooking. Okay. So how much does a microwave use? A lot. <laughs> Amps-wise. My figure is I can use three things. I can use the coffee pot, the microwave, and the cooktop, for example. And that's another issue is that our cooktop is electric rather than propane. Mm -hmm. Or I can use the toaster oven, the coffee maker, and the micro. Uh-huh. That's kind of my three things. And I was only using three things when I blew out the pedestal. No. Yes, no, I was. You, no, you were using the electric water, which is 24 amps. Oh, I didn't turn you, that on. It turns on automatically when you <laughs> use the water. <laughs> Jeez. You were using two air conditioners at close to 15 amps each. That's... 30 plus 24, which is 54 amps, and then that was just to keep the coach running, and if the batteries were being charged, that's another 12 amps, and if you have uh, the stovetop on, that's another 15, microwave 15, coffee maker 15. So I'd best start Googling one-pot meals, because that's all I can do. <laughs> I love them. But the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, you need to think about, even with 50, you need to think about uh, how much power you have. Now, here at home, I just we, cook. we probably have three 20-amp circuits just for the kitchen yeah, I because we have well. 200 amps available here at home. So we can run the air conditioner off of its own circuit. The problem with this is, is that the air conditioners are part of the electric system of the motorhome. It's motor more home. widely distributed in a house. Yeah, well, they have separate circuits that don't interact. So with just one leg of 50 amps, if you pull more than 50 amps from that one leg, then you're going to blow the, the circuit breaker. And they've split the air conditioners between the two legs, but... That's not enough. That's <laughs> they should put more of the kitchen appliances on the other leg. They would have to rewire it, and then you and, yes. then and then you would have something that would be totally confusing. You'd have two sockets on the wall, and one would say leg one and leg two, and you'd be constantly saying, which one do I want to use? That's why I tried to label them for you mm. to help you out. Mm. Did it help? One of the reasons I'm home. I'm glad I'm home again. Where you have 60 amps just for the kitchen. So I can just concentrate and you cook on with, cooking. And you cook with gas, so you don't have to worry about yes, heating things. that's nice, too. Have you ever blown a fuse in the kitchen? In here? the house? No. no, I don't think so. So how does preparing a meal in your RV compare to doing it in the traditional home kitchen? Quite different. Mrs. Cook. It's quite different. Oh, how? Starting out with a, with an RV, and that's not just our RV, the best way to pack your food and utensils is to jam them all in in one place so they don't fly around. Ah. So inevitably, once you start cooking, you have to unpack the larder, you have to unpack where your appliances are, uh -huh. because inevitably what you want to cook with is in the back of all this stuff that you crammed in there. So you have so bins? You, so you have to, yes, I use bins. Some of the more new motorhomes have pull-out drawers, yeah, which nice. is very nice, which I don't have, although they take up a lot of space, so I'm of two minds about that. And then the other problem that I have, and I can't complain because our motorhome is plenty big, is a lack of counter space. Uh -huh. 
Um, if you have anything on the counter, we have a, a very nice toaster oven slash air fryer that I use a lot. Uh -huh. Our coffee pot sits out on the counter. If I'm doing something on the stove top, then that gets that's not available to me to do food prep on. So so there's nowhere to go. Then I am really glad I'm home again because when I'm at home and I'm doing vegetable prep, I have a garbage disposal oh, yeah. and I can just throw all the peels and the eggshells yeah, and stuff really, in the yeah, sink that's a big difference. And, and they just disappear. So I read about women and some men, but mostly women who make very elaborate gourmet sounding meals and they make me feel inadequate um, <laughs> because I just, I just don't get... I just can't. Well, I could do it if I wanted to spend all day at it. That's yeah. you. I don't mind cooking, but there's usually something better to do. That's the real bottom line here. You can make, I mean, a, a nice Thanksgiving dinner in your RV if you want to take the time. But I just don't. It's not as convenient. I guess that's my bottom line. And you have to be doing one thing and then put it away and then come back. Turn that off and, and then turn on something else. So you make the salad and then you can make the entree and then right. you can and make I, the I dessert. I do the coffee dessert. first because then I can turn the coffee maker off and it'll stay hot for a while and then I work on the entree. So it takes a lot more planning, which is why I have no time to think about electricity. <laughs> However, perhaps, when the electricity goes off, all your planning goes out the window. Perhaps the RV navigator should be assisting with electricity management during this time. When he I'm is. Cooking. He's trying to be, no, tell you. He's, he's trying to run there. around turning stuff off. That he's sitting there turned. laughing at me. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> running around turning stuff off. Um, so what appliances do you use most? I use the toaster oven slash air fryer a lot, the coffee maker regularly. Which is new. The convection microwave oven, it's not, I miss having an oven. I, I like to bake. I, we're too fat. I don't need to bake much anymore, but I miss having a regular oven. The convection oven to me is a poor substitute. Those are the main things I use. We have an Instant Pot, which I use occasionally, and I thought if I moved it to the other side by the computer that maybe that would distribute the electricity better, but I don't think so. I think it's still all on that same leg. Yeah. So, so. Is it in the front of the coach? Yes. Then it's all in the in same leg. In the middle leg. of the coach. So that's about it, I think. The, the stovetop? Yeah. You cooked up. You use that often? I use that regularly. And that, that you have an induction. Right. Which helps a lot with power usage, but I have struggled with things... I don't want to say burning, it never gets that far, but like when you're making a noodle and sauce kind of thing, the noodles start asphyxing themselves to the bottom of the pan. And I have to stand there and stir it incessantly. I can't leave to go anything else, or else the dishwasher, which happens to be my beloved husband, has to get out a Brillo pad and scrub and scrub to get that stuff off the bottom of a pan. I do not have this problem at home cooking on gas, so I don't know. A lot of fifth wheels have islands. Mm -hmm. Would you like an island? I have this pull-out countertop thingy that helps a little. So you um, have a section uh, that pulls out, that has the drawers, drawers underneath, it. and it pulls out and it makes more countertop space. It gives space. me another two and a half feet, maybe, of space. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and like when I'm plating the, the cooking at the end, when I serve it up, there's just nowhere to put the plates. Uh -huh. um, so, so having two people is good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where we put a family of four. Well, you really have to, as you said, you have to plan not only what you're going to make, but how, what order you're going to make it in, how to keep it all hot and edible to be an enjoyable experience when you finally sit down to eat it. Yeah. 
All right. I really hate to whine because we have this beautiful residential fridge that that I love dearly compared to what I used to have in olden times. And how so? Why, why is a residential fridge it's better? It's bigger. And? What? It's bigger. It has a nice big freezer. And it works better. <laughs> it's more uniform. Well, to me, it's bigger because... <laughs> Because those other ones, you have to go... We don't want to talk about the technicalities here. It's bigger. That's all that counts. <laughs> but you had a four-door... It wasn't that big. ...absorptive like refrigerator before. ...every three days. And under normal circumstances, when we're out traveling, I want to be out sightseeing, not doing mundane household chores like going to the grocery store. And the, the residential refrigerator is like the one you would have at home. Kind of. It's in the way that it works, big, yeah, so that big. it's an entirely different refrigeration process, and and I like it very much. It's much colder, and it can keep different uh, things at different temperatures. It seems to hold the milk well. That's Everything. one thing I really notice mm-hmm. compared to our old. It's a refrigeration refrigerator rather than an absorptive. Anyway, ah, so anything else about the kitchen that you'd like to mention to our listeners? Many people have a dishwasher. Um, That's something that I happily give up since you seem to be so willing to wash the dishes because then you lose storage space. That's the thing you wrestle with when you're an RVer with everything that you have. Is it worth the space that you're going to devote to it? When you're looking at a floor plan for an RV, you need to say to yourself, there is exactly the same amount of square feet in a 10 by 40 foot RV, and if you get a dishwasher, you're going to give up something else because there's no way to create extra space. In houses, they can create extra space because they can put a bump out here or they can do this or that in terms of the floor plan. With a motorhome or an an RV, there's no way that you can create more space, so you have to give up something in order to get something else, and we have decided that a dishwasher is not something that we want. And I worried about it because at home I tend to, after a meal, put the But dishes, it is nice to have it at home. I put the dishes in the dishwasher, uh, rinse them off a little, where we tend to leave them in the sink from meal to meal until it gets to be a mountain. Um, and I always worry about ants and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but by and large, that hasn't been a problem. No. Or we could be less lazy and wash uh, well, the dishes Well, I think we often. wash the dishes fairly frequently. Every day. Yeah, every day for sure. Yeah. Um, especially when you're traveling. You can't just leave, leave them rattling around. Rattling around, around right. Do you have all the uh, the utensils and things that you need? No, because there's not enough room. So you have to make some compromise. And sometimes I'll think, oh, I would like to make a chicken pot pie, but I think, well, I don't have a rolling pin for the dough. And the things Do you have like a mixmaster. No. Well, you have a hand one. Uh, yeah, it's not the same thing at all. So you you so have you can't to... make cakes, and you're famous for coffee cakes. I love to make coffee cakes. But and I usually make them with a mixer, a KitchenAid. There's what? no room for it, so I don't make them. I make cake mix. That's not the same thing as I do at home. Uh-huh. So, so you're just satisfied with that aspect, too? Yeah. But, but I'm looking out the window at new scenery every day. I'm going to sound like uh-huh. this So there are whiny, trade-offs and benefits. Like I'm sounding like a whiny bitch here. I really... <laughs> you? <laughs> I really am, no. am quite content. It's just that you have to compromise. And maybe after... Living in the motorhome for six months in a row, which hasn't been our usual um, uh, practice, and not yeah. going out to eat yeah, at all, yeah. um, those bit. things maybe have weighed on me a bit more. Ah, so that's why this is a topic of discussion. Uh-huh. That's interesting. And, of course, how do you get fresh water? From the faucet. <laughs> and your husband worries about? Cleanliness. 
Okay, so... We're always wrestling with filters. Filters seem like a good idea, but then when they filter out too much stuff, they get all gunky, and then you don't have any water pressure, and then the the washing machine doesn't work. Small problems, yes. So that, too, is a compromise. Well, we start with the hose, and we have been using for quite quite some time a Flexzilla hose that I bought on Amazon. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we have used the white... uh, water potable water safe hose for years but the problem is is that they kink and they also are prone to being very stiff if it's at all cold and it's they're they're just plain stiff period so i was looking around for something that was a little bit better and i bought the flexzilla and of course you can find links to all these things we're talking about on our webpage, which will be posted a few days after this podcast is posted in may of 2021 so I've been reading, though, about uh, water hoses, and a lot of people are using the Zero-G, which is a collapsible water hose, so 50 feet fits in a very small little spot. Now, the problem with these is that when you pressurize them, they They extend to the the full 50 feet, and it can go in funny places, Um, like under your RV where where you were possibly... It caused some problems, but the biggest problem I've had with these, and I don't know about the zero G. I've had the green ones for quite a while, and I carry a couple of these with me because uh, they're nice to have in terms of extending my water. But I've never used one for the water hose or that supplies water to the RV because I've had problems with them breaking, and then you have this gush of water fountains. That if you're not there, it discusses all. You could flood all. your neighbors. Right, and they're very prone to abrasion. So that if it's uh, an asphalt or gravel or something, they're they, delicate. And you drag it across it, it will uh, will wreck it. Now I'm not that sure about the zero G because I've never really used that one. But they make one that is uh, drinking water safe. It's potable water safe, and it's they make it in a variety of sizes. They're kind of expensive, you know, fifty bucks for a. A hose. But if it lasts, it's important. Yeah, but does it last? The ones that I've had around home have not lasted. So, well, I don't know. I would like to hear some reports. What, what do hoses you use? do you use? Do you use the white one? Do you use the Flexzilla? Or do you use the Zero G? Or something else? You have it hooked up permanently to the water. Uh, of course, these are all available on Amazon, and you can uh, take a look at the benefits and negatives well not the negatives but you can look at uh, them on on amazon okay next topic is quite this is another one which i need help with oh dear listeners help uh everybody has had problems with uh clogging of your tanks are we talking about this again i have to worry about these things yes you do and i and found I'm a product called do. biozyme which is a natural enzyme cleaner um, one of the things that I'm against is using any type of toilet cleaner or th- that has harsh chemicals. Uh, one, I don't think it's very good for the environment. Two is it shouldn't go into our waste system. And number three is I'm not sure what it'll do to the tanks. So I'm always worried about powerful cleaners. And I've used for the black tank, I've used for years, I've used Happy Camper, been very happy with it. And it is an enzyme cleaner, but it, I don't know how powerful it is. When I do fun with poop, uh, the stuff comes out um, usually pretty much digested, or I don't know what you call Broken it. Broken down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Broken down. 
uh, like its owner, huh? <laughs> um, anyway, but this biozyme. Did you used it for the first time? I used it for the first time. So you, it's just and I used thing? it in the gray tank and the black tank this time. And you said it was kind of pricey. Very pricey. Oh. And it is a industrial quality enzyme cleaner that apparently restaurants and places use to digest grease. And one of the things that I do worry about is we don't pour grease down the sink, but we pour things well, go down. We, we have a strainer and stuff, but yeah. stuff goes down the sink yeah. in the kitchen all the time. And I worry about those things collecting down there because over, many times I don't, uh, I leave the, the, gray tank open and i'm worried about stuff collecting down there so i last time filled up the tank put a bunch of biozyme down there and we drove and hopefully the biozyme cleaned out the black uh, the gray tank and it's an industrial quality enzyme cleaner and has no deleterious caustic chemicals caustic chemicals or anything in it so review to follow well i don't know not to follow very soon because we're not on the road again until August, so <laughs> it's it's going to be uh, a while. But uh, if you try it and let me know, I would appreciate it. One of the other many, the big topics that people have is how do I find a campsite, especially these days, boondocking seems to be a big topic. The site DIRT, D-Y-R-T, has gotten pretty good reviews, especially if you are looking at uh, planning a camp, looking at uh, maps, offline access, and uh, camping gear discounts. They seem to offer quite a, a range of boondocking topics. And as I say, boondocking is very, very much in people's minds, especially east of the Mississippi. And where do you go? How do you find them? And you where mean you... west of the Mississippi? No, east. Well, oh. west of the Mississippi it's easy to is pretty easy to boondock, and yeah. you can find places. It's. I didn't realize you could boondock pretty in places in Florida, for instance. No, but apparently you can, yeah. according to yeah, Dirt. I was in there. So you might want to take a look at this website to see if they offer some great ideas about uh, planning your boondocking. Do you think people are more interested in boondocking because campgrounds are getting too full because so many people bought RVs last year? Because a lot of the people that we no. talk to personally are afraid of boondocking, which is yes. the other side of the coin. I think boondocking is becoming more and more topical because people are cheap. Oh, if you don't have any money, and, and you a want lot to of go. people are getting into RVing because they think it's an affordable. RVing, I don't even want to say RVing. They're going. They're buying RVs because it's an inexpensive way to live. Vacation? No, oh, live. live. I think people are living in their RVs yeah. because it's they think that it's inexpensive and then they then they say, well, if I have a self-contained RV then I'm going to go out and boondock. Mm -hmm. Until they really get out and try to do it and then they find out that. And I think you can work remotely work so. in a lot of boondocking areas. Well, that's a, maybe another topic to be the case we anymore. should talk about sometime is uh, how do you how do you do this uh remotely? How, and can you use the RV as a remote office. And last time we talked about putting an office into your RV, and that's that's something that's uh, coming down the road. So when you're buying your RV, what do you think about? We had an interesting letter, an email from our friend Elizabeth in Maine, and she says, uh, some topic ideas you might consider discussing on future podcasts, and she had several, but she says, how to choose the ideal camper for you. I think it helps to have experience. We bought our first travel trailer for, for a reasonable price. 
we made sure we used it and liked camping. And then we upgraded to a new travel trailer a couple of years later. We rented a Class C in Alaska for 10 days in 2013, which was helpful as well. By now we know how we live in a camper and what is most important to us. So, thank you again for my absolutely hands-down favorite podcast of all time. Can't wait to hear the celebration for, for episode, episode 200. 200. Yeah, that might happen. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. I, I think you answered your own question here. Uh, the way, well, this is excellent advice. The way to know others. what RV is right for you is to try out RVs, and I that's what you have done. One of the mantras that people say is that you see... Buy your third one first. Buy your third one first. And in all honesty, that is impossible. Impossible. <laughs> because it is number three means that you have learned from numbers one and two. And you can't learn from numbers one and two if you just read and think about it. It depends how you live. It depends what's important to you in that uh, very finite um, space that is your RV. How are you going to devote uh, the space that's in there to the things that are important to you? Exactly. And how affordable will it be for you, depending on your budget? Exactly. Uh, you have to find those things out by doing, I'm afraid. And your RV navigators started out with a Clue class. tent. Well, <laughs> before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to find out that we like camping. Yeah. And we enjoyed that. That we like We spent our honeymoon camping. Whoa. <laughs> Actually, it was very roughing at camping. Yes. And a canoe trip. <clears throat> but we then we had a Class B, and then we moved to a travel, a small travel, travel trailer, trailer, and then we moved to a fifth wheel, and then another fifth wheel uh, that was bigger, and we learned from the first one that it's nice to be able to stand up in the bedroom. And then we moved to a motorhome, and then we've had a couple of motorhomes. So we have done exactly what Elizabeth has said. Our route has been different because we have different interests than Elizabeth. But that's exactly why you want to do these things is so that you find out what's your route and what is best for you to get where you want to go. Another big factor is who are you camping with? Uh, we just got a new neighbor at the Great Outdoors this winter who had a very nice RV that was nothing but bunk beds. Right. And her priority was to have as many grandkids come as possible and put them up <laughs> and share and those, the space. Exactly. So that was where she wanted to put her space, right. which would not have been appropriate for us. So my advice is to first find out whether you really like RVing. So buy something inexpensive and give it a try. And as she said, they they did a nice uh, a rental, which is a good idea, too, uh, to try it out. And then, you know, you, your reading is just part of the plan. You can't buy your third RV first. It's just not possible, I don't think. Mm -hmm. You can be very happy, but there are so many people who thrash around about, do I want this or that? And frankly, I have done the same thing. <laughs> I was... Dead set against an all-electric RV. They might remember that, long-time listeners. <laughs> yes, they might remember that. I was dead set against it. I just couldn't see how an all-electric RV could be as practical as one with multiple systems. But now, after having lived in one for a while, I find out that, whoa, it is viable and it is a better way to go. And there are all sorts of things about that that, that you just can't understand until you live it. And... You know, do you want heated floors? You know, all sorts of things. And the floor plan. 
And with the advantage of old age, you also look back and think that different things were important to you at different times in yeah, your life. Of um, we see these toy haulers where people have all these adrenaline-charged um, pieces of equipment with them, yes. um, well, which, is, yeah. which is the fun for them. And they're right. giving up a lot of living space to have that kind of stuff along for the trip. So it depends where you are in life and what you like to do. There are just so many variables. Right, and that's why the advice that we give you is not necessarily uh, accurate. But our advice is to carefully consider what you are going to be doing with it and have some experience so that you know. Are, uh, the biggest thing is, are you going to be traveling or are you going to be sitting? The other thing I worry about, you said buy something cheap and try it out. We see so many well, horror stories where people buy cheap stuff and yeah. then it lets them down. That's yeah. that's the downside of that. And cheap is cheap. I and mean, I could see people getting right. kind of turned off to the whole idea of RVing yeah. because they were sitting by the side of the road because something broke. That's it. Uh, it. But doing just reading research and thinking about it and without the actual doing is something that you just can't and try to talk to people who are doing it spend some time with them maybe meet them well, at a campground and well, have a meal and see and how, how their to, life listen to the podcast how their life yes, is everybody has a, a different take on things but it's hard to prioritize and decide which things are most important to you without having the experience of lived in one for a while as i said one of the things you have to decide is whether you're going to be a traveler or a sitter and a lot of people, you know, take a couple, three weeks vacation, they go to a lake and they sit and fish, and that's that's their RVing experience. Whereas we, <laughs> on normally, most years, normally, yes, normally we are extended travelers. I mean, right now we have uh, our caravan in, in August. We'll be gone for several weeks and going to the balloon festival and in Albuquerque and then heading down and around Texas, but we'll probably put on five or 6,000 miles at least in this trip. So we're restless souls. We're restless souls. We like to travel. But if that's not your style, then don't listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> but that um, makes choosing hard. Yes. And, oh, we've, yeah. and we've gone to RV shows with people who didn't know what they wanted, and it didn't seem like that helped either because they ended up being overwhelmed, overwhelmed by all the choices. When you can't make, yeah, if you don't, have specific travel plans, places to go, things you want in mind, then it's very hard to make a, to choose. a, a choice. And like here we have an article about downsizing to become full-time RVers. I can't imagine doing this. If you couldn't afford to have a house and an RV, you mm -hmm. probably would have done it. Yeah. At least for a while. Although we have been what I call part-time, full-time, part-time full-timers for quite a while, we finally decided to sell our sticks and bricks home. It's been a long few months of having a garage sales to sell off the things we didn't want to keep packing those things up and putting them into storage. And I decided the things that might be in my in the category my insight and advice to anyone beginning the process is as follows and she talks about this uh, in her article downsize to become full-time RVers a few takeaways i got from that article was the downsizing process took her a lot longer than she expected mm -hmm. it's a hell of a lot of work and it's very emotionally wrenching even though you say well these are just things 
to get rid of things that have been part of your life for a number of years. And she also mentioned somebody she knew who practically took their house apart and put it all in storage because they knew they would want another house when they came yeah. back off the road. And they ended up spending so much money on the storing of the things that they could have just bought new things. So that's another draining experience with tons of decision-making and not done lightly. Well, so many decisions to make, and, and they're trying to do the best they can as to, to become full-time RVers, which, of course, is something that we have not really contemplated in a serious way. We don't plan to become full-timers. We plan to keep our sticks and bricks because we like to come home and have uh, a lot of extra space. And, and not, she likes to have a kitchen with 60 amps of power dedicated about the to the kitchen. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what do you listen to while you're traveling? Whatever you put on. The Library of Congress has a registry called Rhythm Nation. We heard a podcast about this. And the Library of Congress, Carla Hayden, named 25 recordings as audio treasures worthy of preserving for all time and based on their cultural, historic, and aesthetic importance in the nation's recorded sound heritage. So I think every RVer should be listening to these. As long as you've got the time on the road, let's get them. They're free. That's music, you said. Right? No. What's very interesting is, is that they have designated a podcast oh. as one of these 25 historical recordings. Worth preserving. Mm -hmm. And which one do you think it is? This American Life. Absolutely. One of our favorite podcasts, This American Life, which we listened to on the way here uh, just this year, started in 1995. He was a real pioneer when he was He was a real pioneer. That. Started before the RV Navigator podcast, and although we have been around since 2006, uh, he's been around since, since 1995. I started listening, and we started uh, taping in the, to listen in the RV to uh, Garrison Keillor's... Uh, Prairie Home Companion. Prairie Home Companion. We, that's one of the first radio programs that was not super topical that you could listen to in the RV and, and you could travel get, with. You could get behind on episodes yes, and still and, enjoy them yes. whenever you got around to listening. Just to like the, the RV Navigator. You could that, step back into 2006 idea. and listen to all the episodes all the way through now, and uh, you would have 200 hours of fabulous Relevant conversation. <laughs> but if you haven't listened to This American Life uh, as part of your traveling experience, then you should. Um, we love This American Life, and it is a hallmark and I assume that they have picked, I don't know which, I didn't actually go listen to this. They have actually picked one of the episodes, I assume. Oh, it's the one where the squirrel gets lost in the house. Oh, no, that's yeah. so funny. It's so funny. You, you shouldn't listen that, to really? that. You shouldn't listen to that while you're driving because you'll laugh so hard you'll fall, drive oh, off Oh, I haven't road. thought about that in a long time. Yeah. That's, that's the that's episode they picked. That's oh, that's a, that's a funny episode. But... Uh, this is musical. This is uh, historic events. So it's just kind of nice to go through and listen to some of these. You can download them for listening later. And that's uh, at the Library of Congress, and that should be interesting. You'll put up a link as always. As always, it will be. A, but if you go to the Library of Congress, the National Recording Registry, they picked and they apparently do every year pick a, a series of audio, audio treasures treasures right that is it time they to go say back? that the average podcast is twenty minutes oh, I think we've exceeded that, <laughs> but uh, some people do it more frequently than we do they do make how podcasts. could they do that <laughs> make podcasts more frequently yes, like I weekly know. or daily or how could they do that <laughs> well, maybe they're making money. <gasps> 
This is their job. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, we take no advertising. We ask we for nothing. We do it for the love of the topic. We do, we, we do it for the love of our listeners, you mean. And we are always, as we had, as happened this past month, we are always anxious to talk to our listeners and uh, meet you face to meet face. You face, to face and Don't be see shy you on to the knock road. On the door. Although uh, in the coming month of May, we will not be on the road again. So. Uh, it'll be unlikely that we will see anybody, but in June we're taking a short trip, and then in August we will be headed out west and <sighs> a first big trip, we hope, if COVID goes as it's, it's expected. We have actually planned seven cruises. Up through, uh, through 20, 23. 23. So we have great travel plans uh, for the RV Navigator. And, of course, you'll be going with us on all of these trips. And will it work out? Time will tell. Will the pandemic well, s- subside? As well, we, we see right now, uh, although the United States is going pretty good, other the places are world. really having mm. trouble. And I'm so glad that we went to India when we did mm. and many other places. Yeah. But Brazil breaks my heart. Yeah. So I hope that you are listening in a place that's safe, and I hope that you are safe. And I would like to say we will see you in a campground near us in the near future, but that will have to wait a couple months. But we hope to hear from you through email or whatever, and we will be in touch in the near future. Happy travels. Stay healthy. Bye for now.